Tim and Tom. What have you been up to? I, man, not a whole lot. We didn't do much this weekend because it was cold, so we didn't like go out and do anything. And of course, WrestleMania, which go back in our feed and uh, last episode was a special edition of the Spanish announce table. We enjoyed that so much. We're going to do it again coming up in a couple of weeks with a uh, the greatest rumble ever. Possibly, maybe. We discussed that. It, photo of that it idea. looks like it on paper. Uh-huh. Hey, so what did you think of WrestleMania? Let's I just, liked it. We'll recap it real quick and then yeah. we'll move on. I really like WrestleMania. I once again think NXT kind of stole some of the show, man. I think they had, if you ranked the top ten matches of the weekend, they probably had three of the top five, I feel like. Man, maybe two. What was your favorite, what was your favorite match of the whole weekend? Gosh, I'm kind of torn between... I want to say the ladder match just because it, you know, by nature, we've discussed this, the multiple people matches have more propensity to have spots and cool stuff. But that Gargano Ciampa match, I liked a lot. There were spots where it was slow, but their storytelling in it was masterful. I mean, it was almost like a Disney villain at the end, right? Yeah, Gargano gave Ciampa the ability to say, we fought to exhaustion. Let's end it here. And Ciampa said, never. Gargano said, I have to take you down. And I loved it. It was great. My favorite match. Ciampa said, I killed Mustafa. (laughs) That's what it felt like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Gargano put that submission on him and he tapped quick Mm. because side note, and we won't get into like the wrestling psychology sure, thing right 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 but like just like a finisher is the end of the match a submission is the end of the match i'm very tired of the i've got it on for 45 seconds yeah. now it's two minutes no if you're in it you're done yeah, bye-bye it, it hurts stop. that you need to tap yeah, yeah. It's, right. stop trying to fight this off and i'm that, back i, I will I'm give back. if occasionally they do the person refuses to tap and they pass out and it took yeah. a second Sure, but you know right away if somebody's about to break your arm and you tap. No, uh, WrestleMania was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Tim and Tom. Well, I watched WrestleMania as well. Uh, I liked it a lot. Ronda was Ronda, Kurt Angle versus Triple H, and yeah. Stephanie was a highlight. So was the NXT Championship match where Aleister Black became the new heavyweight mm. champion. Yeah, I forgot about that match. Yeah. That was Love too. that. That was, that was my favorite match of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also, uh, locally, we went to Picasso at the Nelson Atkins. Oh, or Nelson Atkins. Nelson, what is it? What is it? Nelson Atkins? Is that yeah, what it's it is Nelson called? Atkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason, when I said that, I was thinking of the Atkins diet. And I was yeah, like, that's no. not right. No, it's the okay. Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. I, a fun fact, Tom, I've never been in that building. <laughs> <laughs> right? I need to go. You. Now, I'm a somewhat of a transplant. I've only been here eight years now. It's <laughs> so not a transplant. No. So there's that. Well, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in Kansas, but not here in the Kansas City metro when I was younger. But I've only lived here for the last eight years. I should have gone to the Nelson Atkins by then. But how was that Picasso? I've heard that was amazing. One thing that was a revelation to me, because I don't pay attention to art. Like, I respect it. I like it. But I don't necessarily, like, know all of the things. Picasso Shit. died in the 70s. Did you realize that? I did not, but I gathered from some just, you know, as we age and seeing random news articles and this and that, that he lived closer to the time we live in than I had originally thought. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was like Beethoven time. Right. I thought he was doing all that yeah, stuff back I know. then. I thought he was like, nope. I, I thought he was like Michelangelo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. No, this guy's just hanging out right. in California on the beach. Yeah. Right. Um, it was <laughs> interesting. So yeah. that's the biggest takeaway I had. I was like, really? 
This was made in the 50s. Right. (laughs) The other thing that I took away from it is, man, he was so creative that he had so many, like, different styles of art. So, obviously, he's known for, like, the nose is over in the chest and the Mm -hmm. eyeball is next to the other eyeball. Like, it's all that stuff. And that's his cool stuff. But, man, he had some sketches that uh, he drew of his first wife that were, like, beautiful and realistic. And then, like, he had – there's Joe the Wonder Dog down there. Security. Uh, Yep, security's always uh, – oh, I got a fun story about that here in a little bit. But then uh, he also, like, made human figurines out of, like, wine cork wire. Wow. Like, he was just so creative. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Some of the critiques I would give of it, though, is some of the artwork was just inspired, right? So it was like, this would have inspired. It's like, wait a minute. Would have? This yeah. would have inspired him? So right. we don't know. And two, the ones that are inspiring him. Great. I'm not here to see their work. I want to see Picasso's. So I would say a little bit more Picasso, a little less inspiration. Yeah, sometimes when they were like, this would have inspired the great textures and uh, the symmetry. It's like, you're just making this up. Stop it. Like, I don't like that. But overall, it was pretty good. Uh, Yesterday morning, I had a car wreck right in front of my car, right in front of my house. Really? Right in front of my house. In the morning, 8 o'clock in wow. the morning. Rough time yep. to get a wreck, yeah. I was outside in the back with Joe the Wonder Dog, Wonder Dog, and we're running around. We're just getting her sprints in so that, you know, she works off a little of that energy because she sits in a kennel all day, so might as well get her running. So we're running, and then we hear an explosion, like a doom, like shoot the house. I'm just not aware that well of, like, where things come from a lot. Like, I'll hear a knock and walk towards the wrong door kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was already in the back. Uh, yard and I for some reason thought it happened behind the house so I'm looking around right I'm like what yeah, the yeah. hell is that looking up maybe someone I don't know sent off an M80 I don't know and, like my mind was racing everywhere right and then I hear like the squealing of a wheel like uh-huh. alright well now that sounds like it's behind me so then I turn around and there's this truck right into the curb and I kid you not if I were to put my hands on my bumper and then stick my leg out. I'm touching the truck. That's wow. how close yeah. to my truck Crazy. or to my car. The guy gets out and he jumps out and he's bleeding from his head and he just yells, "Don't call the cops!" Don't call the cops. And I'm like, "All right, well, what are we into now?" So then I get Joe because Joe's barking her head off, as you heard earlier. Throw her in the house. Emily is getting ready for work. So my first thought is like, if I leave, cause I, I always run before work, not always, but most mornings I run before work. So I leave before her. But my thought was if this crazy guy just decides bleeding from the head, I need to you know take another car, or do something else crazy to get out of this situation. It could be at Emily's expense. So I'm like, well, I'm staying here now. The neighbor across from us comes out. Uh, she's a nurse actually at children's mercy. She works overnights. So she was like just getting off work. She comes out. She gives the guy a towel for his bleeding head. They're talking in Spanish to each other, and then he like sits on the on her on her stairs, like on in the front, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like head. And then another car comes and he jumps in that car. And we're like, and I'm like, all right. Okay. So is he gonna like leave? Right. So I'm like, is he going to leave? And then they still stay there. And then Emily's like, you can go ahead and go. I'm like, no. She's like, I lived here by myself for years. I'm like, shut up. No. And so <laughs> I'm like, stay no, in there. No, I and protect like, you. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, and then it would just be my luck. You know what right. I'm saying? Of course. Yeah. We stay there. And then a fire truck just happens to like pull up. I don't know if it happens to pull up or maybe someone called it, but sure, I right, didn't right, see right. anyone making a call. And then the fire truck just appears. 
the guy doesn't want to get out of the car. So they're like talking to him and talking to him. Warrants. Well, he didn't have a license. And so apparently that's what he was saying. Don't call the cops for. By the time the fire truck came, then there was like two officers that came. So like the whole street was secure. You know what I mean? So right, by that time course. I was like, and then Emily was like, I got to go to work. I was like, well, so do I. So we left. Uh, she texted the neighbor that w- helped him with the you know towel on the head. And right. she was like, yeah, he didn't have a license. He was freaked out because of that. He said he fell asleep. He wasn't intoxicated, but apparently he fell asleep, which to did make he a turn. Into, at- did, I, did I miss on that? Did he hit another car? Or he ran into the curb, he said, or a pole or something? Or I, I think it was, a, it was a curb. It looked yeah. like either the tree or the curb. I wasn't right. for sure, but. Yeah, he didn't hit another car. Didn't like, you know, there was no like screeching um, uh-huh. or not. Screeching. There was no like uh, brake marks in the road. Uh, yeah. So maybe he did fall asleep, but it's a weird time to fall asleep at eight o'clock in the morning. And to get on our street, you need to make a turn. So like you had to turn. Yeah. Yeah. Right where you were at. Yeah. You either had to make a turn or go through that. And it like it. That's not. Yeah. That's yeah so I don't know. It was weird. But yeah, that's how my uh, my yesterday morning started. Hmm. So that was fun. Uh, uh, I forgot something that happened. Uh, speaking of car wrecks, okay. my daughter had asked, uh, we were getting done. We, we live out here on the, on the ranch, right? With the long drive. And I said, Oh, I got to take these. We take our trash down all the way to cans that are down by the street so we can put them out on trash day. I said, Oh, I got to take these trash bags down to the, down to the street. And my daughter says, can I get it in a driving practice? Right? She just turned 14. Her mom had taken her on one little, uh, you know what I mean? Just down the, down our little driving back. And I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll do that. And then Tom, she hit the garage. <laughs> I mean, this is the first driving lesson I'm getting her. And she hits the garage. Now, this is my fault. I shouldn't have let her try to turn into the garage when she was coming back. But she started to do it and appeared to be doing it well. And then stopped doing it so well. Right at the end. You know that last, like, when you turn in, if you kind of let up on the mm-hmm. turn? You know? I don't think she got that idea. Like, you got to keep turning to get straight. And uh, I pull into dad mode. Stop, 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 stop. Right, and then, pink, just a little, boop, and I was like, mm. enough, enough to where you go, damn it. Yeah, and this is but, on the, you know, the garage door's up, but it's that little, you know, kind of the post in between the two garage doors when you have a two car garage. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's got that little where if you have two separate doors, it's got that little space in between. So she just tapped that, but sure enough, there was white paint on the on the front of my car, and I was just like, yep. All right. Well, we're not doing that again. For really? Us. So, yeah. like, was there was there like real damage or? No, like... no. It, it's it, essentially paint rub. If there was a slight ding on that garage thing, it was. You know, what I mean, that thing's already been hit by the previous owners. It looked like so there wasn't any serious thing. But I just thought, wow, first time. Tim and Tom. Want to say a quick shout out to my pal Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson making her UFC debut June 9th, UFC 225 against former 135-pound champion Holly Holm. Now, this fight will be at 145 pounds. Holly Holmes uh, of uh, the first one to beat Ronda Rousey, right? She was the first one to beat Ronda Rousey, yes. With the head kick heard around the world. But now it's going to be Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson in Chicago, June 9th, UFC 225. Uh, also on that card, Owen one standout and Chicago's favorite son, CM Punk, <laughs> taking on Owen one Mike Jackson because in the UFC, 
that's where the best fight the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that should be interesting. Now, there's some really, really good fights on there, but i just like to point that out. Well, they got to have CM- another card, Tom. Yeah, CM Punk on the card. Uh, so hopefully Megan can run into CM Punk. She is a big wrestling fan. Her and Big E actually talk to each other a lot on the Twitter, so um, hopefully they can connect or someone can connect. Big E's uh, a friend yeah, of the show. Shout out to her. Yeah, he's been on the show. Uh, well, the Spanish announce table, not this right, one, but right. maybe soon. Yeah, same um, but yeah, I want to shout out Megan Anderson fighting June 9th, making her UFC debut. Looks to be the winner will fight Cyborg. All right, so, I, and I'm excited for this just from, you know, knowing you and, and hearing her and knowing that this is a close friend of you and, and some of the friends of the show that we've talked to with Anthony and, and James Krause on the Spanish Announce Table that, I mean, just putting in a lot of work, uh, ready to to show the world uh, that uh, she's no joke. And, you know, what do you, you know this better. Uh, obviously, your friend may be listening, but what do you think? The how do you think this fight's going to go? I think the fight can play out one or two ways. One of two ways. Either one, Megan uses her size and physical attributes because she is going to be the bigger of the two fighters to just bully Holly home. Like, right? So just yeah. you're going up against the cage. You're going to stay right here. You're going to move here. We're going to just mm-hmm. ragdoll you from spot to spot to spot until you either get exhausted and I finish you or I get the decision. Or Holly Holm, who does have very good stand-up capabilities. Obviously, she's a boxing champion. She knocked out Ronda Rousey. She knows what to do on the feet. She could point fight, it's called, where it's like, one, two, jab, move out. One, two, jab, move out. Kick, move out. And all that stuff. And then she can basically get her a decision win by out pointing megan right or there could be a knockout because in mma you never know it's going to be an interesting fight i think they're very evenly matched like i said the winner will face cyborg assuming they don't break their leg during the fight or you know some weird occurrence you know weird injury occurrence happens so i think megan hasn't fought since january of 2017 so that is a long time I do believe in ring rust. I think it is real. So we'll see how that affects her. Uh, Holly Holm is an active fighter. She is coming off of a loss to Cyborg, but she looked the best that anyone has ever looked against Cyborg in MMA. So, you know, she can at least use something to build off of. It should be interesting. It's not that far away from home for Megan. Megan lives in Kansas City area, so it's not like she's going to the West Coast or overseas to where, you know, you have the cage rust and then the time difference and stuff like that so that also i think helps her like you said megan is in the gym every single day she's a full-time instructor so you know that's her job to be teaching classes obviously she partakes in the classes she's learning every day james kraus zach cummings tim elliott shark bay all of those guys helping her every single day uh we have one of the best gyms and i say we because i'm a member but we have one of the best gyms in the world. I, I firmly believe that. So she's learning from some of the best, and it's going to be great. And she, and Holly Holm, to her credit, is at one of the best gyms in the world too. John Jones, Diego Sanchez, all these other fantastic female fighters that she gets to train with. Uh, so it should be interesting. I'm very excited. This is like a clash of the clans here, right here. The top prospects out of both these gyms, and obviously not even prospects with, in the case of like a Holly uh, Holm who's – been there done that former champion yeah yeah so So, but you get you get what i'm saying there so that's good yeah i'm definitely i'll have to check that one out yeah that's gonna be a good one like i said you got the pro wrestling aspect with cm punk the main event is gonna be a rematch between robert whitaker and yoel romero yoel romero the scariest fighter outside of khabib in mma robert whitaker beat this guy and now he has to do it again Christ, that's a (laughs) headache to try to do like it was it was good enough that he did it once now you're like do it again you're like really I did, yeah, you want me to take the sword out of the stone again? Yeah. Like, oh my god, this is going to be so hard. So, 
That fight's going to be amazing. Yeah, you got an interim title fight between the most disgusting human being in the world, Colby Covington. Most he's disgusting. Tra- he's trash. He's like a poor man's racist version of Chael Sonnen. Remember Chael Sonnen when he had yeah. all that the fun trash talk, right? But it was all kind of harmless, you know? Like, he was just, like, on the line of, like, oh, that might feel uncomfortable, but that eh, was pretty funny, right? Colby Covington is trying to do that but failing, and so he's just getting attention for being a scumbag, which I hate. So hopefully he gets knocked out in the hotel room trying to walk to the shuttle to get to the arena. I cannot stand that guy. So we shall see, but it's going to be fun. Chicago, man, I tell you what, if Chicago's known for one thing, it's crazy crowds, and if those fights live up to the hype, man, we got a fun night ahead of us. And again, that's going to be June 9th, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. All right, man. Maybe we'll have to have her on to talk about it. Definitely. She's always up to it. So, yeah. I'll send a text and say, hello, would you do a podcast for for me as a favor? Hey, I have a podcast. Hey, where are you going? Tim and Tom. Let's talk about our guest coming up in the next segment. Josh Montgomery. He's the CEO of Mycroft AI, which is artificial intelligence. The interview is amazing. It it brings up a lot of subjects that are kind of hot button issues right now. And that's one we're going to talk about because this Mycroft they're making is a voice interacted artificial intelligence, like a voice assistant, like your, say, Amazon Echo, your Google Home, these things. But this Mm -hmm. one is all private, right? This one, your privacy, the data is yours. Uh, it's not going to be farmed out. You, you, It's fully customizable. It is open source, and it's an amazing – if you don't understand what we're saying about that, stick around for the next segment when we have the CEO of Mycroft, Josh Montgomery, on because we went on site and met him at his office, and it, it's a really unique thing they're doing, and there's a lot of interesting stuff we talk about, uh, specifically Facebook. And we've talked about Facebook recently because of me uh-huh. taking it off of my phone and right. because of the messenger and what we call the data breach. And uh, Josh Montgomery even mentions kind of, you'll hear it in the interview, but the his argument is that it's not necessarily a data breach, but this is just Facebook's business model being exposed at this point. And it was not even really exposed. People understood this, but I don't think people understood what the implications could mean. Right. So the mm-hmm. Cambridge Analytica gets all this data from Facebook and uses it to help swerve the election or or so they say or swing the election right is is the charge and a lot of times i think people understood the facebook issue was well yeah it's free because they're harvesting my data but they're just selling it to advertisers i mean i don't care right i'm not doing anything but now you're seeing how yeah you're not doing anything but you can be taken advantage of by them harvesting your data and they know mm-hmm. everything about you and they keep a constant log of it whether you want you know whether you think it's innocuous or not a lot of people went, well, oh, man, I don't like that, right? And I'm one of those. And so this uh, this is going to be neat coming up. But Facebook finally had to kind of answer up to this. Uh, you know, our elected representatives in Congress said, hey, man, come talk to us. Well, hold on. Let's let's bring up that aspect because I'm on the the fence really about the harvesting of my data and then that mm-hmm. being sent to Cambridge Analytical or whatever yeah, it was right, called. Right, 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 right. All of that stuff. Uh, to me, you put on there – if you're putting something on anything that can be shared, oh, sure. deal with it. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Here's my biggest beef with the Facebook goes to Congress two-day event. Orrin Hatch says, uh, how how can you be a free service uh, and make money? What, what business model do you have? Yeah. Right? This is Facebook. Two right. billion people have Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Zuckerberg, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, flat out says, Senator – we sell ads, which yeah. is obvious, and Orrin Hatch obviously did not know that, right? Yeah. Then 
who had a three-minute exchange between a senator, and this isn't an age thing. This seemed like this guy was in his early 40s, maybe mid-40s, somewhere in there, maybe early 50s, somewhere in that age range. And he was confused on the WhatsApp and Facebook and the sharing of information, which doesn't happen. Why would you share information with a competitor of any type of app platform, right? Five minutes three minutes, however long it was of just, I don't get this. I don't get this. And Mark Zuckerberg is just like, guys, really? You have two days with me to literally dig into what this is. And you guys are swinging and whiffing on softballs. And so that was my biggest thing is like, how are our Congress people supposed to be questioning Facebook and they don't even know what Facebook is. Yeah, so let's dig a little bit deeper into that because you know we're going to talk plenty about this with Josh Montgomery as far as Facebook's business model and, and other companies of the like. And so you know we we can get into the finer details of that, but we're already gonna. So let's bring up kind of what you're talking about, right? Congress, man. Okay, like you said, even if if what I'm about to say and go on a rant about aside let's say congress are smart people right We're, we can guarantee they're all smart people blah blah i get that you only have two days with facebook but you didn't have time to prepare because you know your previous two days were with somebody else and your previous that's what your aides are for right mm-hmm. that's the stuff you're mm-hmm. reading at night in your emails man mm-hmm. that's why we pay you to do this and i tell you what damn it orrin hatch if you don't know Know that you don't know and recuse yourself and get somebody else on there who does know. Stop mm-hmm. acting like you're important and that you can make decisions out of ignorance, damn it. It pisses me off. And this pisses mm-hmm. me off in general about people in general. I hate the whole, man, if you don't know something and people go, well, I don't know that. You at least, talk, I hear that from you a lot. You're like, well, I don't know that. But you have a humility about you to go, I bet what I don't know about that is immeasurable and immense and intense that I shouldn't even say anything on it. That's not typical. That's not typical. People that go, well, I don't know nothing about that, but then they act like, well, it can't be much to know, right? So I should still be able to weigh in my opinion on it. You should shut up. That's what you should do. That's what bothers me about some people with this whole, like, just, well, I, I mean, I don't get the fa- Like, if, man, if you didn't understand how Facebook could even make money, why are you even there asking them questions about it? Get mm-hmm. out of here. You are worthless right now, and you need to understand that you're worthless, man. And it's okay to be worthless at times. I'm worthless at times, but those are the times I step to the back of the line and let other people do something about it. Man, come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. That's the part where it's the most upsetting is because, yeah, I get as a senator where you have to talk about Facebook and Syria and uh, the Russian election and then tax codes and all of this stuff. Like, yeah, you have an expertise in whatever it is. But then, like you said, that's what you have your aides for. That's what your aides are reading up on. That's why they're sending you memos or bullet points and and helping you get them. I know you do. Right. So if you're not using that, like you said, recuse yourself, get out of there because I guarantee you, and maybe this is just me guessing here, but I'm going to bet that Claire McCaskill knows how Facebook works and not Orrin Hatch, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that Paul Ryan knows how Mm -hmm. Facebook works and not someone else. So it's not a Republican or Democrat thing. It's a let the people who know what this is ask the questions that are important because – You have two days with the CEO of the most important app of our lifetime. Just one of the most influential people in the world. 
One of the most right, influential exactly. people in the world, probably top five to ten most influential people in the world. Mm-hmm. And you have two days with them, and you go, I don't even understand how you make money. Well, God, then, man, yeah, what? Exactly. I don't understand so, what you're doing here. I would have said yeah. that if I, that's the reason I can't do these things because I'd have been held in some kind of weird contempt because I would have told him that he's a moron. Get out of here then. Why are you here asking me questions? That was my biggest beef with the thing. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the, the data thing. And we do get in that into the interview. So if that's the part of what you're interested in, please stay tuned into the next segment. Our interview is very insightful. Um, he does get into the nitty gritty about basically what Facebook's model is and what makes them different. They do a great job. And if you're interested in that stuff, I definitely uh, encourage you to visit their website, which we'll give you in the next segment. Yeah. So, um, but well, And it's not even – very it's not even all technical stuff like that and just about facebook i mean we talk about his product the the potential things we they can do we don't oh, just yeah. we don't just poo poo on yeah, facebook yeah. and say like bye we get into right. this stuff. it's an amazing uh, interview and it's fun and there's some interesting things that people are doing with this product that you want to stay tuned for, right. for sure. but yeah i just thought it was such uh embarrassment that says you know this is one of the most powerful governments in the world and they don't know how to ask basic questions to, like you said, one of the most powerful people on the face of this globe. Well, yeah. So here's the thing. We we then go, uh, as, a, as a public, go, man, they took this data and they, they stole it and they tried to, to, to defraud an election. And how could this have happened? Oh, how could this have happened? Because look who we're putting up here. People that go. Well, man, I sure don't get something. Hey, man, if you don't get something, maybe you shouldn't be the one making decisions for us. I hate that, man. Get over yourself some people, man. I swear, if you don't know something, recognize that you don't know something. And recognize that that means ignorance. And it's okay to have ignorance in something, but boy, you better recognize it. Because that means you don't need to be talking about it. Get out of here. Nobody cares of what Orrin Hatch has to say about Facebook if he doesn't even understand how it works. If he doesn't understand how it works and he's supposed to be the one to get the answers for us, we called up Gramps to go in there and ask Mark what he's doing. Get out of here. Who is voting for these people? If you vote, if you know anybody who voted for Orrin Hatch or somebody like that, contact us now at Tim and Tom KC on any sort of social media and tell me why you think that's a good idea ever. Because that guy's an idiot. If he's going to sit up there and and scratch his head and go, man, shucks, I sure don't even understand how this is possible, Mark. Can you explain yourself? What you think was going on that this guy became a billionaire through some shady backdoor? Get what is wrong with him? What this is the people leading us. And that's your tepid take with Tim <laughs> on this week's episode of Tim and Tom. I don't know. If that was very tepid. That was. <laughs> No, just, I'm kidding. Just so, uh, like, I mean, I don't get it, Tom. Like, yeah. who, this is what scares me about our everyday voters, because that means enough people have heard or seen things like this from him and go, still love that guy, still mm-hmm. like that guy. Asking what? the tough questions. What are we, yeah, asking the tough questions. Putting old Zuckerberg <laughs> on the hot seat, saying, how hey, do, how you make money. How does your online website make money oh senator excuse me is this thing on it works the way every other website works every other one you moron god 
I don't get it. What? I don't get it. Yeah. But man, just whatever. I don't know. They they've got to go. This is the this is some of our problems. We have everybody thinks they're an expert on something, and we have that infiltrated at the worst levels in our decision makers. It's just I agree. Go. So yeah. we'll take a break. Uh, we'll go. We'll join you back here in just a minute uh, with a great interview as we just talked about. Stop voting for uh, these people. <laughs> just yeah. Stop doing yeah. It. Stop voting for idiots. Um, but yeah, we'll get out of here and uh, join you on the second half of Tim and Tom. And our guest is going to be the CEO of Mycroft AI, Josh Montgomery. When we return after this quick break to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, Amazon's largest warehouse is the size of 17 American football fields. Give me credit, don't deny me. This is not a hobby. Rep the town and people stand behind me. Killer City got me. Boy, the posse quick to catch a body. If you try to stop me, put in work to show for me to be a legend. Let it drive me. Wasn't thinking about this back when I was chubby, young and snotty in the ghetto with my sister playing on a Tamagotchi. Eventually, you'll probably find me off the coast of Abu Dhabi. Elevator in the lobby. Colombiana beside me going up. They want to shoot me down. Oh, we think he better than us. They going to shoot me down. Said he's so fly. They going to shoot me down. They'll be posted outside just to shoot me down. Don't say nothing to police for they shoot me down. They'll be marching in the streets if they shoot me down. Tell me, listen, don't speak or they shoot me down. What these people don't see, you can't shoot me down. I'm bulletproof. Tim and Tom. Hey, Tom, did I tell you we have an Amazon affiliate link on our website now? Uh, No, that's yeah, cool. It is. So what that means is listeners who are listening to us right now, they can go to our website, timandtomkc.com. The link is written right there at the top of the page. It says Amazon. They'll buy whatever they're going to buy at the same price, and we're going to get a little action. They're going to give us a little kickback from it. Amazon is. Yeah, this is a really cool feature, guys. What I like about it the most is you're not charged anything extra. So if you buy an item off of Amazon, for example, that is $10, you're still paying $10. You're not paying 11 or 12 mm-hmm. But the difference is that a little bit of the kickback, as Tim mentioned, comes to us. So instead of that money going to Jeff Bezos and a billionaire, ah, he doesn't need another private jet. But you know what? We need a couple of dollars to run yep. the site, pay for some things that we've got going on with Tim and Tom Casey. It's a great way to help us out. Every little yep. bit counts. We appreciate it yep. oh so much. Tim and Tom. All right, Tom. You Are you a smart guy? You know, uh, that's debatable. Uh, a lot of people would say no. I like to think yes. But, you know, uh, w- w- what's the question? What, what, why, why are you asking? Well, there's intelligence and then there's artificial intelligence, right? Of course, yeah. Uh-huh. Any intelligence you have would be artificial, whereas I, maybe that maybe I'm misunderstanding it wrong. No, actually, with artificial intelligence is a, is a, a very broad subject and it's very unique in a lot of ways. And there's so many things you can get into. But you've heard of things like... Um, Amazon, um, what do they call it, Alexa, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's been in the news a lot lately. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with uh, the artificial intelligence as it is. Given a lot of the current news, especially with the Facebook data breach, I think it's pretty unique to find a company right here in town that's doing that sort of aspect a little bit different. And it's Mycroft, and they've got what they call an open source voice assistant. Am I hearing that right? We have CEO Josh Montgomery here. He's going to tell us a little bit about what they do maybe differently, and then we're kind of learning a little bit about them. Josh, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day to be up in Kansas City. So I'm saying it, you know, very layman's terms to Tom here, but what can you describe maybe a better elevator speech of what it is you guys do? 
So we built an open alternative to Siri or Alexa. So we built a privacy-focused voice assistant that's being developed so that individuals and companies can deploy their own voice assistant with their own voice, their own user experience, and keep their data private. That's really what stuck out to me the most because I've seen all those things. I'm kind of a bit, I love tech. I love the hottest, newest phones and all that sort of things and the softwares. But recently with all the data concerns that have come out, uh, just really kind of started withdrawing. I see those Google Homes and, and the Amazon things. I'm like, I don't know that I want those things listening to me at all times. And as I was reading through your product from your stuff online, it sounds like that's not a worry at all. No, the, the whole idea for us is to provide customers with the ability to have this type of technology without giving up their privacy. And one thing that I wanted to ask, I was going through some of the uh, aspects on your um, website and it was the customization. Tell us a little bit about that. How can you customize your product? For us, the idea is to begin with, we started with Hackers and Makers with our first product, the Mark One, and it's got a Raspberry Pi in there, and it's really designed for people who are hardcore into artificial intelligence and Python, you know, members of this really super uber geeky open community. And those people are building all kinds of really nifty, what we call skills for the platform. Uh, They built skills that allow it to sing. They built skills that track the International Space Station. They've built skills that uh, use a camera to play uh, rock, paper, scissors, which is, you know, just a step away from American Sign Language. All these really great uh, uh, technologies and these really great skills for the platform. And they're now building tools that will allow an individual like my mom or my grandma to customize it. So the idea there is, you know, change the wake word. You know, with technologies from other, from these big tech companies, because they want to control their brand, you have to wake it up with their wake word. You're not allowed to rename it to the name you want. Uh, with their technologies, you get one voice, the voice that they provide it. Uh, with us, you can you can customize that, build your own voices. And then also we have a tool called Persona, which changes the personality. And so the the whole idea there is that, you know, I might have a voice assistant whose favorite team is the Jayhawks, and you might have a voice assistant whose favorite team is Mizzou. And, you know, when you ask it a question, you know, what's the best basketball team in the country, then the Mizzou one will say the Jayhawks, and the Jayhawks one will also say the Jayhawks. And uh, This is fake news, though. You want them to say K-State is what you want them to say. And so, you know, you can, you can customize the, the personality, and an individual could do that, or even a group of people. So you might have a, a KU-branded voice assistant that, you know, a, a team from KU Engineering maintains and people on that campus use, and it has specialty skills surrounding, you know, what's in the cafeteria at the University of Kansas. And you might have another voice assistant that works for a big corporation and, you know, might help a, a law firm to answer questions like, Does, has anybody in the firm been in front of Judge Smith, right? And it would be able to answer domain-specific questions like that, uh, all while keeping all the data in-house. Um, I think what we've found and what we're seeing with the, the so-called privacy breach at Facebook, you know, I wouldn't argue that Facebook had a privacy breach. I'd say argue that Facebook's business model is finally seeing the light of day. I mean, this is, this is not something new. And I, I think that some of the leadership at Facebook were really surprised that pushback on this was so, so extreme. Uh, this is what Facebook does is they, you are the product and they sell you to other people. And I think a lot of people are angry and upset by this. Uh, the alternative is you pay for the product, but somehow you have to, uh, you know, pay for the services that you're consuming. And so it should be very suspicious to people who are using these other voice assistants that they're heavily subsidized. You can buy them for like 40 bucks and you put it in your kitchen and you never have to pay for anything. If you don't pay for the product, you're the product. With that, obviously you guys were setting all these things and had a business and an idea going well before this Facebook quote unquote data breach. So 
hey, I bet there's a bit of a, aha, see, we, we knew, we tried to tell you kind of a moment, but is was it always with that in mind, or did you at some point make like a conscious choice of, hey, the money's in the data harvesting and the selling, the advertising, or was it from the start like we're doing it differently? We have a very different goal. So when you look at the technologies that are coming out from other big tech companies, they have goals that align with their business. In the case of our friends in Seattle, it's to sell retail products and to sell music subscriptions. In the case of uh, folks uh, you know, down at Cupertino, it's to sell expensive laptops and expensive speakers. In the case of our friends in search, you know, it's to drive search and to drive discovery for their platform. And so those platforms are really positioned to feed the businesses where they make money. Uh, in our case, we want to build a voice assistant that runs anywhere and interacts exactly like a person. I do not care where you buy your paper towels. I do not care what you use for your search engine. I have no interest in selling you a high-end computer. My goal is to provide you with the best voice experience possible with the end goal being that for a basic interaction, you know, something like ordering a hamburger, let's say, that you wouldn't be able to tell when you talk to the assistant whether you're talking to a human or a machine. And there's a lot of really great applications that come out of that type of technology in terms of uh, reducing workload, repetitive workload for call center workers, for example. Uh, you know, we, we worked with a local, a local phone company and spent some time learning about their call center operation and found that 90% of their call volume is 25 questions. And so the 27,000 people that work in their call centers spend most of their day answering the same question over and over and over. And so using this technology, we're able to eliminate that repetitive task and then allow the humans in the loop to really provide value where there's real value. And the same for, you know, driving an Uber, the same for uh, long haul trucking, you know, where, you know, the, there, there's this really boring segment from Kansas City to Sacramento that really doesn't require human interaction. And the only place the humans are in the loop are at either end where they're bringing the trucks into the city and they sleep in, they sleep in their, their own bed every night. I mean, there's a lot of really great places where these technologies become applicable, and that's always been our goal is to, to bring it there, not to feed some other ancillary business. Well, let's uh, take a step back. Where did this idea come from? Was this like you seen kind of the way technology was advancing and saying, I can do you know this better than others? Or were you just going like, hey, this would be a fun thing. Let's try that. So, so credit where it's due. Uh, Dave Dalton, if you've never met him, you guys should go do a show with him. He's a fantastic guy. He runs a local makerspace called Hammerspace here in, in Kansas City. They do all kinds of crazy things from props for Marvel movies to like lasers to robots. I mean, he's a really, really creative guy. And Hammerspace is kind of like a, a gym for people who make stuff, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I went and visited his original facility, and he had a technology called Iris, which was this kind of hacked-together old Microsoft technology, and it had like a push-button thing, and you'd, you'd hit the button, and it would like play Gladios from Portal over the speakers in the makerspace, and like every 15 minutes it would make an announcement, like clean up after yourself, stuff like that. Right. And I saw that, I was like, man, we could do so much better in our makerspace in Lawrence. And so we went and looked, and we said, okay, you know, at the time, the only real voice assistant was Siri. Uh, there were some technologies coming out of, like, like Google uh, Assistant, but it really wasn't mature, and we'd never heard of Echo. And so we looked at it, and we said, okay, well, what could we do to build something that was really natural that's like Jarvis from Iron Man, right? Like, you could have a conversation back and forth with it. And we started working down that path, and, you know, as our technology began to mature, Echo became a thing. You know, they did their Super Bowl ad, and up until that point, I used to have to explain to people. Like, it's a sp and, and if you think about it, like, before you'd ever seen an echo, like, the idea that there's a speaker in the corner, it listens to you, you talk to it, and it does stuff, 
was really foreign to people. I, I was trying to explain it, and they'd be like, I, man, I just, I, I don't see how that could ever be a thing, right? And since then, and you guys can look this up and, and verify it, but the, the smart speaker is the fastest growing technology in the history of mankind, okay? Prior to this, it had been the smartphone. Uh, the smart speakers are growing faster than smartphones grew. And this, will, this kind of blows people's minds. You kind of have to wrap your mind around it if you've never thought about it. But it, it's really augmented reality. The, the speaker sits in the corner. It puts this layer of audio over the real world that's internet connected, and you interact with it by talking. You know, a lot of people, they looked at augmented reality, and they're like, oh, you're going to wear these glasses, and there'll be, like, you know, dancing chess pieces from Star Wars that you put, you know, whatever it is. But in reality, the first really widely deployed augmented reality technology is for audio, not for vid- visual. And it's these smart speakers that really bring the internet and inhabit your home with it and just kind of lay over everything so you can instantly access all your information. You know, that's why they're so popular. And given that they're so popular and they're growing so fast, it's really, really important that that unlike the mobile market where we basically gave the entire market to two companies, you know, that there is an open alternative for people and for companies who want to do stuff in this market and don't want to be you know, worship at the altar of the Silicon Valley giants. That's something I noticed too. You mentioned that you, you're even encouraging of other companies to take this and, and utilize it in their platforms or whatever. That sounds odd in this day and age to hear a company making something that's so beneficial to people and saying, here, you guys do something with it and profit off it or do something with it. Like, is that, again, is that just other companies we see typically would say, no, give me, that's all mine. Is that, again, it sounds like some of that's by design. Yeah. I mean, that's how you win. I mean, you win by being open. If the, if the idea is to, is to soak up market share, right? A lot of companies, when they soak up market share, they'll subsidize a product or they'll price it really cheap because they want to soak up the whole market. Well, you don't get any cheaper than free. And, and so the idea is to give all these companies the ability to do this because voice will be 50% of search by 2022. So one out of every two searches on the internet will be through voice. Currently, search is a $150 billion tech enterprise. So if you know, we as an open company can build a technology that's used for a sizable percentage of that, you know, there's a big, huge win for us. And, and unlike some of the other entrepreneurs that you see out there, you know, I think Bill Gates is a classic example where him and Paul Allen were partners, only he wanted to be more of a partner than the other guy and, and just could not give it up and had to be the majority. Right. I'm just not wired that way. Like, you know, I want to win and I want the people around me to win. And I love scenarios where everyone in the deal wins. It's life is not a zero sum game. Is the rapidly growing technology the biggest challenge for the company? Because I would imagine, you know, what you're doing in December could easily change by July just because of how quick everything is changing in this space. Is that your biggest challenge, you would say? Uh, Certainly keeping up is a challenge, you know, relative to the amount of resources that we have. I I mean, one of the things that we did is we started a company in Kansas City, and Kansas City is a fantastic community, and the Midwest is a great place to start a business. But when it comes to access to capital – the Midwest is really far behind the coasts. So actually, I live in Palo Alto full time, you know, hustling money while the team is here in, in Kansas City doing the work. Uh, so scaling has been a challenge. Uh, and then it's a it's a much, much harder problem than your typical your typical startup solving. Like when you look at startups, they're like, hey, we built an app to do, uh, you know, hey, we built some. Yeah, we built some little specialty device that does this. You know, in our case, we're building a complete natural language stack end to end. Amazon took five years, three acquisitions, $150 million, and had 5,000 people working on this technology. 
that's the comp that's the bar right and so you know pushing forward towards that is a, is a real challenge now we do cheat though um you know we have uh, our initial developer was the first hire at siri he was the second engineer assigned to echo we have this really broad open source community so people contribute software all day long and we pay nothing for it um you know we we have some advantages that the other guys don't have that come from being open with that, I mean, how open are we talking about? Has there already been a situation, or do you think you could encounter a situation where you see somebody doing something with it, and you're like, I don't know, I don't feel right about this? So the, one of the things, we have a skills repository, and anybody can build a skill, and those skills can be as cute as you know a Hello Kitty skill and as vile and evil as you can imagine, right? And we haven't had any significant problems there yet, but there have been some things where, you know, off-color, you know, skills that tell off-color pickup lines that, that some people might find offensive. And for us, you know, being open is important. And, and you know, people are going to use this technology in evil ways. Like and it, the same with any technology. Uh, for us, you know, we don't have to endorse it and we don't have to support it. Um, and so we manage our skills repository based on, uh, basically me like I, I make the decision okay. yes or no and if you don't like it like buy a majority shareholder share in the company and you can you can make the decision right, right. but it, you know over time the goal is to turn a lot of that over to the community and a lot of the communities set their own standards um, and and so yes I can see some challenges there in the future and, and we have yet to have a direct competitor set up using our technology to compete straight ahead to head with us but it will happen and for me like that's when we win it, it's like you know, the other guy is using my tech to compete against me. Like he is now out clawing market share for our technology. Like let's go find eight more guys like that. Right. And let's really go and take our friends, you know, in search and in retail and in, in computer sales. Let's go take them for a ride. Well, with the company specifically, could you tell us a little bit about some of the wins that you had early on? Obviously when you're, you know, an entrepreneur like yourself and you're starting up a company, you know, it's not all just roses and everything is going great. So obviously there's going to be obstacles, but unlike the obstacles, what were the wins that kept you going? So we, we very lucky, right? So one of the things that when, when you look at entrepreneurs who've been successful you kind of think that well they always knew that they like like the guys at microsoft always knew that they would become the operating system of the but that's that's not true right they had their own doubts in the beginning too and you know us very much the same you know when we got started we went and did a kickstarter we raised about a hundred not about we raised exactly one hundred and twenty seven thousand five hundred and twenty dollars um and you know we weren't even going to start the company unless that was successful so we looked at it and we said I wonder if anybody wants to buy this smart speaker. For me, it's a slam dunk, but, you know, does anybody in the market willing to pay for it? And one of the most important things about being an early-stage entrepreneur or one of the, the things that entrepreneurs miss is trying to suss out whether people are actually willing to pay to solve the problem you're solving. And Kickstarter is a great way to do that. You take it, and in our case, we produced a video. We 3D printed kind of a mock-up. Like, if you look at our original video, like, there, you can't see me, but there's me behind the bed, like, typing in the text for the thing to work because, of course, nothing worked. Took it to Kickstarter. We're very, very successful. And, uh, you know, we hired a couple guys that we could afford to hire and just kind of proceeded down that path. You know, Techstars contacted us. Um, initially, I, I was very skeptical of tech. Like, I was like, hey, that seems like a giant distraction. And we went out and we did our homework and discovered that John Fine, uh, who's now runs Firebrand Capital here in or Firebrand Ventures here in Kansas City, uh, and his team were really really well qualified uh, to help us to achieve our goal. Uh, we went through TechStars, and then from there it's been it's been tough. I mean, there's been times we got within four days of running out of cash once. Like we, 
you know, you lose employee, important employees from time to time. Uh, there are always, you know, the technology just falls apart on you and like nobody knows how to fix it. There's all these pieces that, that occur, but you know, all in all for us, it's been a real positive story. And I, and we've been really lucky, uh, both with team, you know, to have, have really dedicated, hardworking people, uh, with the Kansas city community being enormously supportive of us with investors who believe in us with customers who, you know, in many cases, like they, they back our Kickstarter and then they're like, okay, I'll wait two years for you to ship. Them. I mean, that's, that's a lot of faith, right? And uh, so we've been really blessed with a lot of that. I heard you kind of briefly mention, you know, one of the goals was uh, initially when you set out was interact with something that you maybe wouldn't even be able to tell is necessarily, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. Um, is there maybe an idea or, or a concept that you have that in the future that maybe right now you're not quite there just from physical limitations or anything like, you know, I mean, obviously it sounds like wearables is a, is an easy thing to go into. Is there any things like that, that maybe you're, you have concepts of down the line that, that is maybe this is how this will grow even into something even bigger than it is. Yeah. I mean, we did a stovetop with GE for the blind so that somebody who's, who's sight impaired can command the burners to turn on and off and set timers and that type of stuff. We did an automobile with Jaguar. Uh, you know, we're working with a number of consumer product companies I probably can't talk about for to integrate in other other consumer products. Uh, uh, you know, and then our open source communities built it into aircraft avionics community, avionics systems. Uh, somebody's built a magic mirror. So you mirror, mirror on the wall. You could actually talk to it and ask it questions. I mean, there's all these really great applications uh, that we get by opening it, right, by being, hey, go out and, and make this happen. Uh, the goal for us is that run, if it has a microprocessor in it, we want it to be able to run run the Microsoft stack somehow. And so microwaves, I mean, anything you can think of. And, and in many cases, you know, with a voice assistant that represents the brand, right? So the, you know, if you buy a Maytag dishwasher, it might be the same Maytag AI inhabits the dishwasher, the washing machine, the dryer, and whatever other Maytag, and it might be the Maytag repairman as the personality, you know, and it, 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 you know, every time you wake him up, he yawns because he's been sleeping waiting for the maintenance or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that can be on brand for those, uh, for those companies. And then very importantly for us, for individuals, your voice assistant can represent you. And this is where we get into a concept called user agency. So the idea of user agency is that when you use a piece of technology, that technology should represent you the user and not the company that built it. And in this space, we are the only company that's building a technology with a focus on user agency. And that's really important for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, there's a couple of real good examples. Uh, one is, uh, you know, if I call a ride share, I get the one that's closest to me with the best safety record, not the one that paid the platform to be the ride share provider of choice. When I get a call at 11 p.m., I get the call from my mom saying that uh, she wants to wish me a happy birthday, which the voice assistant allowed through my call filter, not a call from a sales rep who paid the platform to be allowed to call through my, my sales filter. And then there's life and death situations with AI. So, I mean, think about this. You're in a self-driving car, okay? When you get in the car and you use the app, you, you select the little click-through thing, which releases them from all liability, Right. right. The guy crossing the street in front of the car who's about to get hit by the car, he didn't sign a liability waiver. So from the company's perspective, it's better that you, the rider in the car, are dead than the guy in the street. And so in a scenario where the choice is hit the tree and kill the passenger or hit the pedestrian, you in the car, who's being represented by this AI, 
become the sacrificial lamb because, of course, you've signed the, the, the agreement that takes it to arbitration. And you're like, so it's making decisions based on what's in the best interest of the self-driving car company, not you, the user. And so user agency can be a life and death thing. And it's something that's really important to us. That's really intense. I just, I, <laughs> I, I'm really interested for when people start by the thousands reaching out to us about doing a Tim and Tom voice uh, for this thing. Um, obviously what's some of the strangest stuff you've seen come out of this? Is there anything like really unique? You're like, I wouldn't have thought anybody to build it. It just like anything else. There's people's building sex bots, like, uh, you know, any technology, right? Like, I assume that's all it was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's there's people out there using the tech to build sex bots. Like it is what it is. You just kind of roll with it. Sure. Yeah. When yeah. they do, what? How do you handle that? Because obviously, yeah, that is one of the things that you know is going to be come to come to mind. But how do you deal with those strange ideas? We wash and sanitize the email before it comes into the network from those folks. I mean, you, you just you you ignore the stuff that's that's not tasteful. I mean, is really what it breaks. And you you engage with the things that best represent your brand. For us that's not that's not sex bots for us. That's more uh not yet. Not yet. You know, unless the market matures and you know yeah, yeah. So one really cool thing about your company is where it's located. So we're here at at a basically a startup hub. What's that like for the company? I mean, are you guys all interacting? Is this like a, a little culture within, you know, Kansas City? Describe this kind of here. Very much so. So Kansas City has a really active and strong startup scene, uh, both here in Startup Village. Uh, you know, a lot of that is Bobby Birch over at Startland News, um, uh, at the Kauffman Foundation, uh, uh, Adam Arandondo, who who's now also with the startup, Casey Startup Foundation. Uh, and then, you know, established companies that have made big commitments to building a startup ecosystem here. So, you know, Sprint ran the Techstars Accelerator for three years before they branched out into their own. You know, Cerner's been supportive. You know, Black & Veatch is, I think, is running an accelerator over there. And, you know, and we all know each other. And we, you know, we endeavor not to poach employees from each other too often. If, if we don't collude, no collusion. But, uh, you know, it's considered in bad form to go poach somebody's best engineer. Uh, and, and, you know, and we all root for each other. You know, uh, Graham Dodge runs Six Weather, which is just at the end of the hall here. He just did a, a 506CF crowdfunding round, raised a bunch of money. He's been really super successful. You know, we, we're cheerleaders for that. And then, you know, when he has a project where voice makes sense, which he does, you know, he comes to us and says, hey, how can we, how can we help? And, and we work together. Um, you know, we conspire against investors, you know, to, to get everybody funded and, uh and, and then, you know, pass off introductions and, and, and work together as a, as a team. I mean, ultimately, uh, not all of us will win, right. right? Like, Toby had a big win over at iVerify. I think that the, it's pretty safe to say that C2FO is going to have a, if they exit, it will have a successful exit. If not, they're going to be Cerner-sized before too long. Um, you know, some companies will fail. Uh, but, you know, we can all be cheerleaders and, and for, for everybody. And when they fail, you have a wake, which is a party. Okay. And then, you know... The, the reality is if you have the skills it takes to succeed in early stage tech, even just to keep it open for two years or three years, you are in demand. You will have a job two days later at one of these other companies and away you go and you just keep at it. So where can people learn more if people think they have these skills to, to start del- delving into this? Where can they go? What do they got to do? 
so we have, if they want to come work for us, we have 10 internships available this summer. Uh, we got two business development internships, three design internships, five software developers. We're looking for uh, high school kids can apply for those. We're looking for college kids, even people who've been out of college for a little while. Uh, come hang out with us for a couple months, get to know us. And, uh, last year of our 10 interns, we hired five full-time. So that's a pretty good, pretty good, including one of the ones from the high school. We talked about going to college. And, uh, and so that's a, a great uh, opportunity. And then for people who are looking at starting their own thing, there's Casey Startup Weekend. I think they're running it once every six months. Uh, Kauffman Foundation has tons of resources. Uh, you know, uh, Techstars has a, a monthly get-together, uh, I think on the first Tuesday of every month. They just did it. Uh, where you can come talk to Lisa, uh, folks can apply at the Sprint Accelerator. Um, and then, you know, one of the things in the startup community that in many ways is missing from the developed business community is the concept of mentorship. And so, you know, I, one of my mentees is a high school kid, right? He call, I call, I have a two, I have a, a call with him once every two weeks and we talk for 30 minutes about his aspirations to be a, uh, to be an entrepreneur. And the, there's an old adage, when you want money, ask for advice. When you want advice, ask for money. You know, we ended up hot, we ended up bringing him in for one of our internships this summer, you know, predictably. And, yeah. uh, you know, so there are, you know, startup CEOs, startup founders around the city. If you reach out to them in many cases and say, Hey, I want to run a startup. Will you be my mentor? I want to talk to you every two weeks for 15 minutes. They'll make, they'll make room in their schedule. You want to do this, you can do it. So then regarding Mycroft, if, if somebody thinks, hey, I want to get my hands on this and build something, what do they got to do? Uh, go to Mycroft AI. They can back our Indiegogo uh, for our Mark II, which is shipping in December. They could buy a Mark I right now if they're, if they're more maker and hacker-ish and want to play with that. Um, and then they can donate their voice uh, through at precise.mycroft.ai. And, and uh, there's a lot of opportunities to engage uh, from folks who – our experts in machine learning can come and do really ha- hardcore stuff. Folks who can just tell the difference between a sound that says, hey, Mycroft, and love Microsoft. Um, you know, yes or no, we have a tool for that, and we need, we've got 14,000 utterances tagged. We still need to tag 86,000 in the next couple of months, so come tag 100 utterances. Help us out. I like that. All right, so what else? We got any social medias, anything like that for people to follow? Yeah, we're on Twitter, Facebook, increasingly Telegram, LinkedIn. Like we have a pretty strong social media presence, and and please come engage with us. We'd love to have you out. All right, we're going to have to build one that uh, makes everybody have to listen to Tim and Tom anytime they do some sort of weird search or something. Maybe we'll figure that out. Right, yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. Sorry, we were running. I was running late with Trent. Oh, I'm excited to have you guys out. Thanks for coming out. Tim and Tom. This episode of Tim and Tom is brought to you by Your Business. Tim and Tom's listeners could be hearing about Your Business right now. They could be hearing Your Business's address. Or Your Business's website address. Or even Your Business's phone number. But they're not hearing that right now, are they? If you want the listeners of Tim and Tom to know more about Your Business, contact us at timandtomkc at gmail.com. Tim and Tom. Tim, you live a boring life. Yeah, Let me minute. help you. Wait a minute. With... <laughs> Tim, yeah. you live a boring life. So uh-huh. let me help you mm-hmm. with some great events in the great town that we call Kansas City. Gee, you ready th- for th- this? Thanks for your philanthropy here, Tom, in helping me hey, make my life less I'm boring. That friend, I'm that friend that when you're thinking that your life is pathetic... I reaffirm it. I don't know that I was so thinking So here we that. go. I don't know. Here we go. April 15th, mm-hmm. great local artist, nationally renowned, YouTube sensation, has gone viral many times, been featured on The Ellen Show, 
is going to be performing Sunday night at 7 o'clock, April 15th, at the Record Bar. It's none other than Mac Lethal. I'm so close. Let's see if this video can get us over the top. Let's blaze these whack-ass rappers, shall we? Smooth moves, Danny. Even though I like to get dough, certainly spit them fast raps and flip flows urgently. Everybody thinks that I'm gonna go pop like the Bitcoin bubble, that cryptocurrency. I hate taxes, I like getting bucks, I don't like fake asses, don't like Lil Rums, I don't like face tats, you look like Lil Pumps, I don't like fake rap, I don't like Lil Pump. I heard a new song today and the words are just Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang over and over, just Gucci Gang. That's it? That's all you gotta do for fame? Whatever happened to push your music to a new terrain? Just put them buckets on the Gucci man, removed his brain, went up in the bathroom. Mac Lethal is, if you check him out on YouTube and go through through just various uh, of his videos. He obviously has albums out that are full-length albums, but he's also got a whole bunch of fun little videos. Like, he does the greatest pizza order ever, right? He calls up a pizza place and wraps an order for about 15 minutes. And it's really mm-hmm. amazing and super fast. So he puts up the words even because you got to kind of follow along. And all sorts, like he, a teacher asked him to to wrap something positive for the students, right? And he did a whole, like, stay in school learning rap for him. I mean, there's just all kinds of fun things that you can find about Mac Lethal if you want to be introduced to him, and then go check him out. He's a really good artist, and, he's, and again, local. Yeah, yeah, super creative guy, local artist, nationally renowned, like I said, YouTube viral sensation with all of the speed rap videos that Tim was talking about with the pizza order, different styles of rap throughout the history of music, mm-hmm. uh, all of that great stuff. So again, that's going to be April 15th, starting at 7 o'clock, Record Bar, 1520, Grand Boulevard, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, great event and uh, great concert to go to. Now, the next one we got, because again, Tim, your life is boring. Oh. April 24th at Kauffman Stadium. Not only do we got a great baseball game, but we got Bark at the Park. This is great. Yes, yeah. I love that. So it's going to be a Tuesday, April 24th. Uh, first pitch or ex- excuse me, uh, gates open at five 30. Cause they're going to have festivities leading up to the game. Uh, bring your dog, enjoy some baseball, give your dog a hot dog, uh, give your dog a good seat, pet your dog, cheer on the Royals and have a great time. Do, do they have any, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Do they have any rules listed on, uh, amount of dogs that one can bring? If they do, you don't, you shouldn't listen to it. You should bring all the dogs. You have five dogs. I don't know if I'm going to fit them very well into the bleachers of Kauffman Stadium. (laughs) I don't care if you got 50 dogs. Bring them all. It's Uh, bark at the park. It's going to be a great time. Again, be cautious if you are wanting to do this. Think about your dog. If your dog has anxiety problems, it's not cute to make your dog go through an anxiety attack so that you can hold your dog and get a cool selfie in front of a big K, right? I got 17 likes. Yeah, exactly. Be cognitive of what you're doing to your dog. Uh, as I mentioned, give your dog a hot dog because it deserves it. Um, it has you as the owner, and you probably suck. Uh, but make sure. I mean, you, you voted can, for Warren Hatch, so you right. clearly suck. <laughs> no, so if you can do it, again, that is going to be Tuesday, April 24th. Gates open at 530. Bark at the park at Kauffman Stadium. Yeah, I've never That's been stuff. to one of these, but I've I've always heard about how fun these are. Yeah, these seem amazing. I, I think I'm going to go this year. I want to go. Right. I want nice. to do it. I can't take our dog, Joe, the Wonder Dog. It's <laughs> right. too aggressive. Uh, she is athletic and angry. Security. Most of her, yeah, she is a security dog, not a leisure dog uh, in some aspects, and this would be one of those. So I'm going to leave her uh, here. I'm going to get some other dog pets in because I love dogs and i got to pet them. Uh, but let's going to go steal a dog. Event. And yeah, bring and, that and stole, 
I stole a little scrappy. I'll yeah. steal another one. Right. You know, I don't care if you treat if you're treating a dog wrong. I'll take it from you. I'm, I'm, I'm taking your. It's my dog. Yeah, this is my dog. You're not a good owner, and this dog deserves a better life. So yeah. there, there's your PSA. There you Anyhow, go. next event, April 27th. This is going to be a Friday night. Starts at seven o'clock. Going to be at the Sprint Center. One of the world's biggest comedians. It's going to be the irresponsible tour. Yeah, and smallest. It's going to be the irresponsible tour. Kevin Hart is coming to the Sprint Center. Yeah, and of course, a bit of a, a, a rude comment, maybe. He's a, a short man, but he, that's part of kind of his shtick, even at, at this point. Uh, oh, he brings it up. Yeah, yeah he, he has plenty up. of jokes with the height death difference between him and some of his friends like Shaquille O'Neal right. and things like that. Now, he's a good comedian. I yes. think he's fine. I think he does a little bit too much of this. Mm-hmm. I'm always dead. Yeah, woo, bop. Like, yeah. I get it. Uh, I don't think he writes his jokes anymore, so that's a little off-putting. But they're still funny, but it's like, well, you're just – I could do with that. Like, right. Just give me the jokes. I can yeah. perform better than you. And yeah. I'm taller, so, you know. Well, his, his influence for sure has been huge, though, because he did come up so fast, brought up a lot of folks with him, is now producing so many of the – stuff you see from a lot of comedians now especially young you know black comedians that that grew up around him oh, and stuff like that yeah he is on top of his game right now i'd say he's one of the three biggest comedians in the world i mean yeah. he sold out madison square garden he sold out a football stadium in philadelphia yeah i mean yeah he's doing it huge so oh, and uh, uh, encourages people to get active too he's a big runner and that's a big thing of him on his social media is encouraging people to get out and run and keep themselves healthy and stuff like that so i mean he, he's uh, more than even just a comedian you know big influential person period yeah i mean i like him i just don't know if i really like his uh, comedy, comedy that right. much like if it's on tv and i'm flipping through channels i'll watch it but i don't seek after it if like right. if there's a new netflix special anything yeah. like that I'm but there too. again you. Yeah. if yeah if you if you are interested definitely check him out again that's going to be uh at the sprint center friday april 27th starts at 7 p.m uh kevin hart uh, the Irresponsible Tour. Now, let's get back into some music. This is mm-hmm. going to be April 27th at the Arbus Bank Theater at the Midland. That's a Friday night. It starts at 7 o'clock as well. Uh, it's going to be the Nation of Two World Tour. Got a great act here. It's going to be Vance Joy coming to town. This, oh, there you go, of course. This song, again, was popular not too long ago that you probably heard all over the local radio if you're driving around, and, and I, wasn't this on a commercial also? I haven't heard this song. I'm not oh, sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he's got plenty of other great songs that I like, uh, specifically me. I don't know if you like it, but there are good. There's oh, yeah. Mess is Fine, Georgia, Like Gold, Saturday Sun. Uh, obviously, we just played Riptide. That's the biggest of all of his songs. Yep. Those are all my favorites. Yeah, it was a great song. <laughs> great act. Uh, Emily saw him in concert and said he was really good. So, uh, you know, she has good taste in music, so listen to her. Um, but again, that's going to be uh, April 27th. Harvest mm-hmm. uh, Bank Theater at the Midland. That's 1228 Main Street, Kansas City, Missouri. So there you go. Tim, stop yeah, being like boring. It. You got Van Mac Ethel, Mark trying. at the Park, and Kevin Hart. One of those things needs to be on your on your calendar. So if I do one of these things, I'm not boring anymore. Exactly for that week, you are not oh, boring. 
just for that week. Hey, man, you know, time never stops. So you got to keep on going. True. That's true. Keep on trucking, as they say. Keep on uh, moving. Tim's favorite. When you were younger, or even say now, uh, if you say, uh, oh, maybe eight the cookies or something that you weren't supposed to, right? Or you maybe took something from mom and dad and they're asking, hey, where is whatever, right? And what would maybe be a go-to response for you when you were going to lie about it? Oh, uh, my brother took it. Yeah. Or you took it and you forgot. Okay. Or um, nah. Yeah, right. Yeah, nah. So now, Tom, if you were a police officer, even let's say a couple police officers, and you were in charge of the evidence room and some evidence came up missing what would your excuse then be oh the criminals came in while we were closed and mm-hmm. took all the stuff criminals. or yeah. it was or it was the dirty cop mm-hmm. okay so well some cops in argentina were faced with this very uh well i mean I, uh, i'm not gonna say they stole the evidence right that has not been proven of course yet but um eight police officers in pilar argentina gave an excuse after a half ton of marijuana disappeared from a police warehouse, a half ton—that's a lot. I don't know that's if you've been—I don't know if you've been around uh, much marijuana in your lifetime, but I need you to fully admit to all of it right now. Well, I don't even think <laughs> I've been around a half ton of anything. To be honest yeah. with you, I was so, trying to think about. I was like, what if I like a ton? Just even if, you, if you've seen news on TV and you've seen when they've busted marijuana and you see those like packages, right? The little brick in a like saran wrap, right? Typically, when you see that brick in a saran wrap, that's a pound to a couple pounds, right? Maybe tops, right? Now, about 13,000 pounds of marijuana were supposed to be in storage, but a recent police inspection revealed 1,000 pounds were missing, uh, which 1,000 pounds is a half ton. The city's former police commissioner was ordered to explain the shortfall to a judge. He and three subordinates told the skeptical jurist that the missing marijuana must have been eaten by mice. Hey, that's believable. I mean, yeah, mice not, love right? weed. Of course, mice right? love weed. Mm-hmm. Dogs love uh, peanut butter. Mice love weed. Mm-hmm. You know, universal yeah. fact. Now, experts uh, said rodents would not confuse marijuana with food. And in the off chance that they did, the mice likely would have died from the dope and investigators would have found the cannabis-laden corpses, according to the USA Today. Buenos Aires University experts have explained that mice wouldn't mistake the drug for food and that if a large group of mice had eaten it, a lot of corpses would have been found in the warehouse, a spokesperson for the judge said. All eight officers were dismissed from their jobs and will testify in front of the judge on May 4th. Uh, well, at least they're not senators. But how like, do people come up with these ideas? Well, let's tell me. I don't know, man. Hey, say say it was six dozen mice. (laughs) I don't know. You know, come up with a big number. We saw we saw four thousand mice enter into the evidence room, and then I don't know where that weed went. Yeah, I we killed all the mice though. I have no idea. We got rid of them. Yeah, we got rid of them. We threw them all out. I have no idea the cleanliness of Pilar, Argentina, and its police warehouse storage. Uh, But it would have to be pretty bad. Right? I mean, for a thousand pounds of weed to get eaten by mice. Hey, like I said, dogs love peanut butter. Mice love weed. The mice excuse. I'm going to start using that now. And that's my favorite thing of the week. Tom's favorite. So as you know, Kansas City Chiefs got rid of a great quarterback as far as character-wise. Alex Smith went to the Washington Racial Slurs. Yep. Um, We've got a great young quarterback, but we don't really know who he is. Right? So... 
we're still looking for that cool guy in the NFL, at least in my opinion, of like who to root for, right? Because Alex Smith is now gone. Uh, we can't root for the racial slurs because they're racial slurs. Um, but here's here's your next favorite football player. I'll give it to you right now. Marcus Mariota. And yes, the Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota did beat us in the playoffs. However, listen to this story. Marcus Mariota made an appearance at the Special Olympics event, uh, event at the Nissan Stadium in Tennessee on Saturday. It wasn't an appearance where he shows up and signs a few autographs and poses for photos, though. The Tennessee Titans quarterback threw passes to every child in attendance. In attendance. Wow. He was on a schedule. He was supposed to leave. He said, cancel what I have coming up or move it around because he would not leave until every kid caught at least one pass from him. And so every kid left with a huge smile on their face. He went approximately an hour and a half past his scheduled nice. time so that every kid at this Special Olympics event uh, at the Nissan Stadium in Tennessee could catch a pass from the starting quarterback of their Tennessee Titans. How cool is that? Good that for him. That is cool. And, and that's cool. And, and this is coming from a man who threw a touchdown pass to himself. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he threw you know? a touchdown pass to himself, so of course he's going to throw it to other people. Right. And he loves to share, and he shared it with the Special Olympics. So good like for that. them. I like the Special Olympics. I like that it was more than just a I'll pose with everyone in one giant photo. Mm-hmm. Hey, isn't that cool? I'm standing 12 feet away from you with 10 kids in between us. You met me. Right, yeah. He actually threw a pass to him. They all caught it. He stayed there until they caught it, too. So it wasn't like one of those things where we're like, next, just throw another ball. He was like, no, if you miss this one, we're doing it again. Uh, so I thought it was really great. Shout out to Marcus Mariota. Seems like a great guy. Obviously, good stories like this helps. Um, so if you're looking for that next football player to cheer on, I would recommend Marcus Mariota. Tim and Tom. All right, Tom, we had a great episode. We had CEO Josh Montgomery of Mycroft AI. If you are looking to get into this craze, the fastest growing technology in the history of the world with these home voice assistant speakers, but you're worried about your data privacy and other companies just using you to advance their business, well, uh, here's an option for you and check them out. And of course, uh, all the fun stuff we got into, I went on a rant. I got physically angry that my security dogs thought somebody was harming me. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, we also, uh, if you're also, instead of just the privacy thing, realize that Mycroft also can customize, right? So he yes. mentioned a lot of that. So if you're just looking for more than just the Alexa, talk back to me, play me the news, you can get that too. So on top of the privacy, uh, caveat that he added in there. He also added the, hey, yeah. you can customize this and make it better for yourself. Yeah, if you'll notice, he uh, yeah, he did mention that they kind of have a goal. If anything has some sort of onboard processor, their goal would be to get you something that you could connect to it and interact with an, arti- you know, an artificial intelligence voice assistant for that thing. If As long as somebody's taught it the skill that would be able to operate that thing. And that's pretty neat. So the possibilities, quite literally, are endless. So check them out and check us out next week when we're back with another fun episode of Tim and Tom. Fun fact, 68% of people experience phantom vibration syndrome where you mistakenly think your phone is buzzing in your pocket. It wasn't working cause I wasn't working Was wishing like I had a genie Knew that I wanted it deeply Killer city, yeah they need me Make a claim for my name on the wall Inside the hall of fame of the gainers graffiti I was young and I needed to break out I was broken, I needed a way out Had 
to learn a business, had to get specific, plotting in the civic on the way south. On a mission to build up the network, politicking and building a network. Had no time to kick it, skip it, get you jumping ditches, running. I stick to the legwork. I put it in, put it in. They gossip about what it's Tim and Tom.